<laughs> Lord, we just thank you that we can make a declaration like that. Not if the oceans rise and if the thunders roar, but when they do. We thank you that we can be seated with you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we don't ever find ourselves under or in the circumstances. We find ourselves seated in heavenly places. <laughs> Untouchable in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is well with my soul. Thank you, Lord, that we can bring to you an offering of praise this morning. An offering of declaration of our position in who we are in you. And we thank you for that. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king above the flood. I will be still, know you are God. How precious is that? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, like I shared with you last week, I don't do these days that I've got to find something to fit into. Uh, I want the scripture to speak to us. I don't want to make a nice little Mother's Day message. But I've kind of made a bit of a compromise this morning. <laughs> I've gone to have a look at the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, Mary. And we're going to chat about a few, uh, few characteristics that I can see in Mother uh, Mary and how we can uh, learn from that. Just last week we had a look at the golden calf story and I know that some of you would have left perhaps a little confused and some very angry as I said some issues about Christmas and Easter. I do want to just remind you that those people had made a God, Elohim, the creator God. This is your God. They called that golden calf Elohim and they made a festival to Yahweh. And I just remind you that any unauthorized feast, any unauthorized sacrifices bowing to an idol, whether we do it in the name of Elohim or Yahweh or not, it is illegal and we are not allowed to do it. Just beware. There is not a single verse authorizing the celebration of Christmas or Easter. Not a single verse in the Bible. Not Jesus, not the Word, not the New Testament church, not the apostles, not the early church. At no point did they ever celebrate Christmas. And we somehow think we can use an unauthorized pagan festival. No one will ever be able to dispute that Christmas is founded on pagan origins. And this is exactly the golden calf scenario. They had this thing that was founded on pagan, uh, pagan philosophies and pagan religions. And, but, but they very kindly called it Elohim. Very nicely called it Yahweh. And we love to celebrate these things and call it by the names that make us feel better. But it's unauthorized, it's illegal, and I warn you of it. And now you can look at me and say, I still love you, brother. 
Okay, Mary was an everyday, ordinary, normal, unmarried teenage girl from a typical Middle Eastern family when she was told she would be pregnant with the Christ child. Just imagine the scene. She's a young girl. Yes, she is engaged to be married, but she's a young teenage girl in a very typical uh, family. I want to just give a little bit of background to Mary that you might come across in the church or come across with people and maybe even some who might be sitting here today. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, and I'm not here to bash any church this morning, but just to tell you a little bit about what they believe. Um, they hold Mary in a very, very special place. In fact, she's got a unique position in the pantheon of Roman Catholic saints. Notice I'm saying Roman Catholic, not Catholic. Catholic is just a word that means universal. So if you talk about the Catholic Church, you're just talking about the universal church. And that involves us and everybody else who's in the church. We are all part of the Catholic Church. But we are not all part of the Roman Catholic Church. So specifically this morning, I want to talk about the Roman Catholic Church and what they see uh, or how they see Mary just so we can balance this before we start talking about some characteristics of Mary. The Roman Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven. Suddenly there should be bells ringing. Where do you come, from, where do you come a, upon a, a Queen of Heaven in the Scripture? Where does Scripture authorize you to give somebody the title Queen of Heaven? We know who the King of Heaven is. We know who the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is. But at no point do we ever see any sign of a Queen of Heaven. She is also known by the Roman Catholics as the Queen of the Angels, the Queen of Peace, and perhaps the most troubling, the Mother of God. See, the fact that she's Mother of God means that she has been elevated in a very real sense to the level of deity if she is actually the mother of God. Roman Catholic te Church teaches that Mary was conceived without sin. Not only was Jesus born without sin, but his mother must have been born without sin too, in order for him to have been born without sin. Again, totally unscriptural. The Roman Catholic Church's four dogmas, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to just talk about all of this stuff, but I need you just to understand. Some, what other people believe. The four dogmas are that she is, and a dogma is simply a principle that is, is, has been laid down by an authoritative source, and obviously in this case the Pope's. She is the mother of God. Don't want to go further into that. The second dogma they talk about is immaculate conception, meaning she, Mary, was a virgin. Uh, I, I beg your pardon, uh, sinless at birth. And then the third dogma they talk about is perpetual virginity. And that just simply means that they believe Mary was a virgin before Jesus' conception, which is true, but that she remained a virgin for the rest of her life into all eternity. Now, the Scripture tells us very clearly that she had at least four brothers that are named in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 6, verse 3. You can go and read it. And it also mentions sisters. So Jesus had at least four brothers and two sisters, half-sisters and half-brothers that would have come after Jesus. 
Now, and then the fourth dogma has to do with assumption, which means that Mary was taken up into heaven uh, in her perfect bodily state, and she is now queen of heaven and mother of God and everything else. So Mary didn't die, she was assumpted. She was taken up as well in perfect bodily form. Now, I tell you all of this to let you know that there are about 1.2 billion people across the earth today who are duped by this unbiblical nonsense. And that's my purpose for sharing all of this with you. And perhaps you've come across some of it. To me, it's absolute blasphemy. And people will write volumes of books. And some, even some Protestant denominations fall into this kind of category as well. They kind of fiddle and taste a little bit of the mother of God stuff and the, the perpetual virginity and all the rest of it. In these Catholic, Roman Catholic dogmas, they are also participating. And so I warn you of all of this stuff. It is not biblical. It's not found in the Bible. And it's just been created by men primarily through the ages, the popes who uh, continue to function as wolves in sheep's clothing, leading other people astray. Just a bit of background. Let's go to the real Mary. Luke chapter 1 verse 26, and we'll pick up the Bible narrative there. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read portions together. Mary's got an incredible amount to teach us about being a mother and being a Christian in general. So this doesn't exclude the men and the unmarried or the unmothered this morning. This is what the Bible says. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. <sighs> Another confusing thing that comes into the church. Do you know how many archangels are mentioned in the Bible? Only one. But other, other people will tell you a whole list of archangels. And they list Gabriel as being an archangel. Bible never states that Gabriel is an archangel. Okay? Now, I'm not this has got anything to do with anything I'm talking about. But just encouraging you to think biblically. The Bible speaks about Michael being the archangel. That's the only time the word archangel is mentioned in the scripture. And that's with the name Michael. So Gabriel is not an archangel. Gabriel comes to uh, God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now you've got to understand, we're kind of in the intertestamental period. So for about 400 years, God hasn't spoken through angels or visitations or anything else. It's been silent for 400 years. And here comes this angel to this God-fearing teenager and says to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I don't know about you, but I would have dropped dead on the spot. <laughs> Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I mean, that's just like putting it nicely and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, and this is what happens every single time an angel or a visitation from God comes. What happens? Do not be afraid. Just love the way God just puts people in their place. I'm not here to scare you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. The Greek variant of the word Joshua, the Lord saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. In our own country right now, we're busy seeing a, a kingdom fragmented <laughs> in the political elite. It's actually quite a circus when you see what's going on. This kingdom will never end. Paul say never, never. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I mean, obvious question. How's this going to happen? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Now, we know Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist. Yeah? Verse 37, for nothing, everybody say nothing, is impossible with God. Maybe there's some people this morning here and some watching me by Facebook and YouTube and all those other funny things. The Bible tells us here of a story. Her name was Elizabeth. She was barren. She was in her old age. And she was already six months with child as the angel comes to tell uh, Mary what's going on. And then verse 7, I want you to hear these words. For nothing is impossible with God. You might be struggling with a situation today you don't know how to get out of. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary's standing and saying, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin, I'm not betrothed yet fully to my husband. How is this going to happen? And he says, nothing is impossible with God. This has never happened before. It wasn't a once a month virgin birth uh, story that Mary could go back to the book and say, oh, this happened to so-and-so, this happened to so-and-so, this has happened so many times before. This was the first time ever, ever, that anyone had ever heard of something like a virgin birth. Becoming pregnated, pregnant, by means without a human intervention. This was just not possible. For nothing is impossible with God. Look at her response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So let's look at a few lessons this morning. Lessons for mothers, primarily, and then for all of us. This isn't your nice kitschy coo, mothers, you're wonderful, and all the rest of it. This is mothers, take stock of yourselves. <laughs> this is a Mother's Day message kind of different to what normally gets done. The first lesson or first thing we can learn from this mother is her humility. Gabriel arrives, call her, calls her highly favored, tells her she's going to give birth to the Son of God. I think she could have had a dozen excuses to say no 
if she wanted to. Lord, I'm just a girl. I'm not ready to be a mother. If I'm not wealthy, I'm not wealthy. I'm not educated. I'm not able to provide him with what he needs to be provided with. I mean, he's going to be the son of God. He's the Messiah. I can't cope with this. She could have said, I'm not worthy of this honor, like false humility stuff. She could have said, okay, Lord, can't you just wait a bit until I'm married to Joseph? I mean, imagine the skunder, the shame. Can you imagine when people find out I'm pregnant? Can you just hold on a bit, Lord? But that's not what Mary said. Listen to the humility of her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Mary had a breathtaking trust that God knew what he was doing when he entrusted her with the job of raising Jesus. She must have believed with God's help she could do the job, otherwise she wouldn't have said that. This is true biblical humility. Knowing that what he said he'll do, he will do. Mary, being a God-honoring God, would have known the scripture. Perhaps things like Proverbs 22.4 came to mind. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Not fighting, not tearing down others, not breaking down, but humility and fear of the Lord. Those things bring honor and life and wealth. Perhaps she thought of Psalm 45, 4. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds. Maybe she was sitting back just thinking about all of these scriptures, probably flooding her heart, thinking this is what God's going to do. In the New Testament, moms, we have a lovely passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, listen to this. Your beauty should not come from hairspray, makeup, nail polish, and outings to the hairdresser, the pedicure, and the manicurist. Oh, I might have added a few things there. It says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Now, the issue is not those things. The issue is not the makeup that you've plastered on your face this morning. I told you this before. My father used to always say, makeup is not a sign of pride. It's a sign of humility. It means the woman's got to do something because she knows what she actually looks like. <laughs> so don't look at a made-up person and think they're prideful because they, they're probably not. <laughs> So the issue is not the braided hair and it's not the, the wearing of gold jewelry. It's not the fine clothes. That's not the issue. The issue is don't use those things to make yourself pretty. That's the issue. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't feel condemned this morning if you got yourself all made up. That's wonderful. But if you're using those things to hide something here, there's a problem on it says, verse 4, instead, it should be that your beauty, your beauty should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God 
used to make themselves beautiful. I suspect this was Mary. I suspect this woman who worked, walked in such humility that she wasn't prone to doing externals. And that's what attracted God to her, her humility. Secondly, this morning, her commitment to God is very obvious. Mary had the right perspective. If you like, she was sold out to God. She knew He was, and she knew who she was to Him. She was His servant. How often we tend to think God is our servant. God do this, God do that, God do the next thing. And we, we mask it in something called prayer. We call it prayer, but at the end of the day, we're just calling on God to be our servant and to do what we demand. Or at least what we're asking ad nauseum sometimes. Mary knew who she was. She knew her place. She knew her role. She knew she was his servant and she was committed to him. And she knew there was nothing impossible for her God. Let's face it, not an easy situation. Virgin birth, as I said, was not something she had come across before. But if God had said it, Mary knew it would happen, even if she didn't understand how. What is your promise you're holding on today? Moms, your child has gone off the rails. They're going and behaving and doing stuff that you, you just makes no sense to you. Maybe you brought them up in the right path. You did everything right, everything in your power to bring your child up in the ways of the Lord. And now they're behaving like idiots. Take a lesson out of Mary's book. She was so committed, she knew that this thing would happen even if she didn't understand how. The time will come. That child is on a long rope, and at some point that rope comes to an end. Like a fisherman knows. Not that I know anything about fishing. I'm going to stop now because I'm going to bess this one out. But you know, at some point that reel will come to an end and that fish has to start coming in. Mary knew. And if the Lord Almighty wanted to give her the task of raising the Son of God, she would accept it. What a shining example for us to follow. There's a small detail about Mary's commitment to God I found in the story of the revelation of the Messiah to the shepherds. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds from uh, chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. They wouldn't have been doing that in the middle of winter, which the 25th of December is. So this must have been uh, up to April and uh, between April and about October. It couldn't have been any other time, otherwise the shepherds would not have been in the fields. Okay? So just lose from your mind straight away that Jesus was born any time near the 25th of December. Just in case you didn't get the memo. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I love it. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Down to verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed 
at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary pondered, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. All who heard it were amazed, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Did you notice what he said about Mary? The others were simply amazed. Mary treasured them. She pondered them in her heart. She went a step further than the rest did. She spent much time thinking through what God was doing. She wanted to know more about Jesus and more about what God had in store for him. I believe the reason she pondered all of this was because she wanted to know what God had planned for her son and for herself. And she did play an important role in his life. She was part of the team of men and women who ministered to him and his disciples during his earthly ministry once he had left the home. We see her weeping at the foot of the cross. I mean, this mother was committed to God. She never left his side, even to the death of her son as a criminal. Think about the societal ostracization from his birth to his death. And yet she was so committed to God that none of that meant anything. She was going to look after this Jesus. Thirdly, think about her bravery. Mary's bravery, I think, is often overlooked. Her obedience to the will of God could have been very costly. The best case scenario would have been that Joseph broke off the engagement. Uh, then she would have been left as a single mother. She would have been kicked out of her community. She would have had no source of income. There was no social security or monthly grant for children or anything like that. She would have had no means to income at all. She would have been left to bring up the child on her own. And once her neighbors found out, she would have been kicked out of the community. The worst case scenario, of course, would have been that she would have been stoned to death as an adulteress. Even if she wasn't officially married, as a, as a pledged uh, engagee, she was regarded as being married. But she would have been stoned to death if they applied the law of Moses. So Mary would have known all of these things. It took immense bravery to say in Luke one thirty eight, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I just stand in awe of this woman as I stand in awe of any woman. I mean, we think about the women in South Africa and the struggles of women in South Africa today. We think about the struggles of women across the world today. We look at the statistics of rape in South Africa. Every 15 seconds, it is mind-blowing. Every 15 seconds in South Africa today, some woman somewhere in South Africa today, did I say in South Africa, not worldwide, in South Africa today, every 15 seconds, some woman is brutalized by a man. It's just, it, I can't even get my mind around. Don't let me start on that. Mary's bravery. I mean, just imagine. I think again, she must have thought about uh, things like Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Maybe that's my message to moms here this morning, to women here today, to all of us here today, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong 
Be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord Yahweh, your Elohim, will be with you wherever you go. What a promise. I'm sure Mary must have thought about promises like that. Following God can be costly. There might even be some women here today, mothers, who are going home to be ostracized when you get home. Perhaps going home to husbands who are going to mock you and deride you. Who are going to jeer your faith because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because your desire is to come and gather with people and just to bless his name. You're going to go home today and you're going to be laughed. It can be that bad and can be a lot worse. I myself wouldn't have displayed the courage that Mary did. When the angel of God came to me and told me, uh, oh, I couldn't really bear a child. Eh? No, 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 it is true. If an angel came to me and said, from your loins is going to come a child, I said, mm -mm. <laughs> impossible, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Her bravery is something to be admired. And I admire women in this country. Your bravery is something else. Mothers, your bravery when you face those obstinate teenagers. Mothers, your bravery when you face that little two-year-old that doesn't stop screaming. That little brat at four who thinks they must get their own way with everything. Mothers, your bravery when that little child starts throwing a temper tantrum in the shop. Wow, 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 you've seen them. Hey, my heart just bleeds for mothers when I see these things happen. Again, I do have a solution. If you'd like me to tell you, I will. The government doesn't like my solution, but the word of God confirms it. Huh? Fivefold ministry now. A last thought this morning, let's move on quickly to think about uh, Mary's humanity. Mary, in spite of her high calling, was never anything more or less of a human being than we are. Irrespective of what Roman Catholics say about her, she remained fully human throughout her life. We see her humanity in her apprehension when first called. Verse one, uh, chapter 1 verse 29 said, Mary was greatly troubled. We get another glimpse when Jesus goes missing after their annual trip to the temple in Jerusalem. Luke 2.48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated like us, this, like us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus had gone AWOL for three days, remember. Then in John chapter 2, I love this passage. On the third day, Jesus' first miracle. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. <laughs> I can just imagine the picture. I mean, this is her mother, you know. Jesus, they've got no more wine. He says, dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time hasn't yet come. His mother says to the servant, she ignores what he says. This is still her little boy. She ignores what he says and says to his servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> I can just imagine this mother. I, I think here I see Mary's humanity more than anywhere else. 
because this is how mothers actually operate. You know, doesn't matter what dad says. You know, just <laughs> doesn't matter what your father says. Just, just listen to me. You know, if I say it's okay, it's okay. I'll sort your dad out. <laughs> and that's what we see there. And then at the cross, we see again an affirmation of her humanity. John 19, 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, mother, sister, Mary, da, da, da. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son, talking about John, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Imagine the conflict of emotions. Here she is at the cross. Her son's been tried as a criminal, put to death. He's done nothing wrong his entire life. All he's done is raise people from the dead, cure them of their illnesses, feed them, spoil every funeral he ever went to, and all the rest of it. He just has done good, 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 good. And now he's, she's watching her son die. And then still to be told by her son, you know, this is your new son over here, you know. John will take you into his home. I mean, that was very precious. But I can just imagine the emotions that Mary had to deal with. Moms, you're not only superwomen with superpowers. You are godly people called by God to be, uh, to be a unique species on this planet. And yes, in case you're confused with everything that's going on, in the beginning, male and female, he created them. There is nothing in between and there is not another hundred or so genders or whatever people want to tell you that there's something in between. In the beginning, male and female, he created them. Mama, I want to say to you, give yourselves a break. Relax in your humanity. You can only do so much. So how does this all apply to Mother's Day? Not the usual how wonderful mothers are, but rather a checkup for moms and of course dads. Bearing in mind the one who has chosen to be a mother, Mary. Uh, you know, if I think about Mother's Day, we've got to be careful that Mother's Day doesn't become like a funeral. You know what happens at a funeral? People say all sorts of nice things about the person who's dead, and they only say it once. Make sure, make sure that your Mother's Day is every day, that you're saying nice things to your mother every single day not just one day a year or one day when it's too late so here's the challenge moms how do you measure up mary was humble before god 1 peter 5 clothe yourselves with humility with humility humility god opposes opposes the proud time to finish god opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble how does your humility hand hand up against the word of God. How does it measure up? Are we trying to cover ourselves with all sorts of externals or are we allowing that inner beauty and this counts for everybody to shine? Are we committed to God completely? Are we brave? Because we can be. He has given us his word. And do we remind ourselves that we are human, very human uh, at all times? Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this time that we can celebrate your word in our lives. Thank you for the challenge that comes through your word to us. I pray that we would be found faithful 
to seeing the seed planted in our hearts and producing a mighty crop. Thank you for mothers. Thank you for women. Thank you, Lord, that you have gifted us upon this earth. Every person here has a mother. Every single person listening to me today has had a mother or has a mother. I thank you for this unique part of humanity that you have chosen. Thank you, Lord, that we can remember not only today, but every day, the sacrifices, the challenges, the bravery, the courage, the commitment to you, all of these things, Lord, that we've seen perhaps in our own mothers and even where we haven't. Thank you that we can begin to emulate these things uh, in the lives of our children and those over whom we have influence. We thank you for this time. Lord, as we go to the Lord's table now, we thank you that you remind us uh, this celebration, this festival, this authorized party, this authorized uh, getting together and celebrating what you have done. Lord, you never told us to remember your birth. You've told us to remember your death. And we do so this morning with glad and cheerful heart. For without your death and resurrection, we have no hope, no future. But in your death and in your resurrection, we have forgiveness of sin to all who believe. And we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you came in this morning, you would have found a little thing like this. It was sanitized by one person and placed in your chair, so you're not going to get any hojos from it. If you haven't done it before, the very top layer is a little plastic layer. If you pull that off, you'll find a um, little wafer underneath. And if you can get that wafer ready and then pull out the next level and you'll see some uh, red stuff that doesn't taste so good. But it's just colored water of sorts. Everybody got? There were a couple who came in without stuff on the chairs. Everyone got? And we celebrate together over that side over there. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Let's take and eat it together. Lord, thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you that the scripture was proved true, that not one of your bones was broken, and, and yet your body was marred beyond human description. Your flesh was torn to shreds. You were unrecognizable as a human being for us, so that we could be one. This body of Christ, this incredible expression of the love of God, in this place and all over the world, and wherever people are doing this this morning, Lord, we celebrate with them the incredible body of Christ with thanksgiving. And for this cup too, Lord, we give you thanks where after supper you took the cup and you said this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is given for the remission of your sin. Thank you that it is well with my soul. 
Thank you that my sins are gone, never to be remembered again. Thank you, Lord, that your precious blood ensures my eternal existence with you. Thank you that every person who believes in their hearts that God raised you from the dead, every person who confesses with their mouth will be saved. Everyone who calls on your name, Lord, you said will be saved. Lord, you said that if we receive you, yet to all who received him, to those who call on your name, you gave the right to be called children of God. Lord, thank you for your blood. The celebration of your life in us this morning again. Let us drink together with joy. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray again for those in our number who are not well. Think about Ken in hospital. Think about Jay in hospital. Lord, others that perhaps are not being called to mind right now, those who are weak and ill, we thank you that healing is ours in your name. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration to us, complete and full. We pray for those who are struggling emotionally, Lord. We think about the own incident that happened around here this week. And for those who are struggling with issues, thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, that we can look to you, the giver and sustainer of all life. For those who are tired of waiting, for those who are getting depressed because things are just taking so long, thank you for your word that reminded us this morning, for nothing is impossible with God. We bless you with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining with us this morning. And the Lord continue with you as you go. Go with God. Look at somebody and say, you're the head and not the tail. First and not last. You'll lend to many. Borrow from none. Blessed as you come. And blessed as you go. In Jesus' name. Have a lovely, lovely day. Bye-bye.